0: Amen. Good morning. Good to see you. Good to be with you. I always look forward to Sundays being with you, but for some reason I was even more anxious to be here with you this Sunday. Um, I believe that God has a message for for us today, as He always does, and so I was just very anxious to share it with you. A couple things before we get into the message this morning, which, by the way, will be from Genesis chapter forty book of Genesis chapter 40. Next week we'll start a new series, a 13-week series through the book of Hebrews, my favorite book of the Bible, the book of better things uh, next week. And speaking of upcoming series, don't forget that this coming Wednesday, May the 10th, begins my eight-week challenge to you. I'm throwing down an eight-week challenge. I am asking any and all of you that can make it out on Wednesday night to come and be a part of our series on developing a high-altitude faith through the study of the Old Testament prophet Habakkuk. Do any of you want to strengthen your faith? Would you like to expand your ability to trust God more? Do you yearn to be able to rest in God through the trials of life rather than fret and fear? Then this series will be for you. Eight weeks, May 10th through June 28th. Give me eight weeks and I guarantee you the message of the prophet Habakkuk will change your life and your walk with God. Speaking of that, I was sharing with the folks who were here last week that we uh, we're given some disappointing news. You know, this was the day we were supposed to go over after our service and have our, our photograph taken on the property and we were getting ready to break ground. And then we heard back from our lender very surprising news that they had not clued us into the whole time we were working with them, which was basically, no, we're not going to lend you the money. And we're like, okay. You know, obviously, we believe that God is sovereign, and he's in control, and we're like, okay, why the delay? You know, what's going on here? And God very much reassured me, as I reassured everybody last week, that God's delays are never there to give us something less, but always to give us something more and greater. You see that with the story of Lazarus, you remember the sisters said to to Jesus, well Jesus if you hadn't delayed and sort of wasted your time in getting here, you know, you could have prevented my brother from dying. Jesus like, you're going to see the glory of God in an even greater cuz I'm going to raise him from the dead, you know. Well, let me share with you some some news. After we got that disappointing news, I said that I really was impressed that God wanted me to bring a message to all of us about dealing with disappointment. We're going to talk about that in just a moment, because all of us deal with disappointment. And it's very important that we learn how to deal with disappointment as followers of Jesus Christ. But in that, I said, you know, we're just going to trust God that God's got something greater. Well, very early in the week, after we all left each other on Sunday... Scott sends out this email because he's now been in contact with all these other lending institutions, some of them you've suggested and that we knew about and stuff, so we started to go in another direction. And here very quickly and very soon after that in the week, God gave us some very encouraging news just to say to us as a church, I got this, just trust me on this. So let me share with you right now where we're at. This is all I can share with you at this point. But I I do see God very much at work in all of this. So a couple lending institutions got back to Scott and basically said, after he gave them all of our information, we are very interested in working with you. We are very interested in lending you money. And, and here's even the better part, not only do we have some other lending institutions who are very much willing to work with us and lend us some money, the terms that they are offering us are better than the terms we would have ever gotten with the other institution. Yeah, that's a yay God. Yeah, that's a, yeah. So we're continuing to work through that process with these lending institutions. Just keep, keep praying about it. But God has got something very special planned for us, and he wants us just to trust him. And that's really what this message is about today in dealing with disappointment. It's about learning to allow God to build into our life a tenacious faith and hope. In fact, Peter talks about this. He he says in 1 Peter 1.21, through Jesus... We have learned to trust in the Father who raised Him from the dead and gave Him glory so that our faith and our hope would be in God alone. When you talk about dealing with disappointment, all of us get disappointed. Whether it's through our expectations not being met in some way, through a circumstance or people, whether it's the fact that sometimes our hopes or our dreams or our desires are not fulfilled or realized we get disappointed we do in fact many of us probably face disappointment every week being disappointed is not a sin how we respond and react to the disappointments of life that's the crucial issue because disappointment is simply the tip of a wedge that can be driven into our life that can really cause us a lot of problems and issues over our life. And our spiritual enemy knows this. And that's why he will take things as harmless as it seems, like disappointments, and if we're not careful, he will begin to drive this wedge into our life that starts with disappointment, but it never ends there unless we learn how to deal with it properly and biblically. Because disappointment will lead to discouragement. And discouragement then will lead to disillusionment. And disillusionment will lead to depression. And depression will lead to defeat. And there's nothing that can stop our spiritual growth or get us to a place of bitterness and anger and defeat more than not learning how to deal with the disappointments of life. And so... It's very important that we talk about this today, because again, maybe some of you and and disappointments are so common to humanity and was so common in the Bible that it actually was very difficult to pick out one passage or one Bible character to talk about in relationship to disappointment, because you could go through almost every page of the Bible and find disappointment through and in some human being on the pages of Scripture. But the one that God led me to today was Joseph in the book of Genesis. One of the reasons why was because one of the things that Joseph was dealing with was the whole disappointment over delay in his life, over God's timing of things in his life. And For just a few minutes, let's sort of review and summarize the life of Joseph this morning. Remember, he was the young man that God gave a dream to early on in his life. It was a dream about Joseph one day being this great leader and having all of this responsibility and and God using his life in, in such a miraculous and mighty way. And yet, it was very soon after God gave Joseph that dream that, you know the story, his own brothers sold him into slavery. In Egypt. Think about how disappointing that would be. You know, most of us, if we are going to face disappointments in our lives, it's, it's primarily through two avenues. Either the circumstances of our life are not turning out the way we wanted or the way we planned or desire, or people disappoint us. It's, it's usually one of those two things, and sometimes they're the same thing. So you can imagine the disappointment that this young man, Joseph, had when his own brothers sold him into slavery in Egypt. Then he gets to Egypt, and like a person of faith and hope, and Joseph certainly had it, he goes, well, this isn't the way I thought this was all going to work out, but I'm going to make the best of this situation. I find myself in the house of this man, Potiphar, who is a pretty powerful man in Egypt. And so I'm just going to do the best that I can in serving him. And and Potiphar and his wife saw something in Joseph. And that's why the Bible says they elevated him to really the, the, the most powerful position as far as the servants of Potiphar goes in his entire household. He basically managed it all. And he was so faithful and so diligent, and all he ever did was the right thing, right? And then the Bible says Potiphar's wife began to make advances towards Joseph. And to cut out a lot, but to get again to the to the point, because Joseph refused Potiphar's wife's advances, she lies about him. And then he ends up in prison. Again, what a disappointment. All he's ever done is the right thing. And here he is, no dreams realized, sold into slavery, now in prison. And maybe some of you sometimes in your life, I know I've been there, you sort of feel like you're in a prison, even though you might not be in a physical prison, because you sort of feel trapped. It's like you want out of this particular prison. Situation, You want out of this season of your life. You want to get on to the next thing. And it just seems like you just can't do it. The, the circumstances aren't working out right. You know, the, the planets aren't aligning, so to speak. And so you're just sort of trapped there. Joseph felt that in a very physical and spiritual and emotional way. I'm, I'm just in this prison. There's nothing I can do about it. So I'll try to make the best of it. And the Bible says he basically thrived as much as he could in that situation to where the warden of the prison was so impressed by the attitudes and actions of Joseph that he puts Joseph in charge of the entire prison population. And yet, here it comes. One day while Joseph was there in prison, probably dealing with disappointment, here comes the chief cupbearer, and the chief chef of Pharaoh thrown into prison for offending Pharaoh for some reason. And, and remember, you know, maybe the chief chef in our day, you know, whoever the chief chef in the White House is, maybe we probably don't even know who that is, would not hold a very prominent place in that day and age and in that culture and in that kingdom. The chief chef was big time stuff. And obviously the chief cupbearer was more than just the guy or the gal that would taste the drinks and food to make sure that they weren't poisoned and that everything was okay. He was or she was a very trusted advisor and counselor to Pharaoh. So these were two very prominent, important people. And they were thrown into prison. And guess who had charge of them? Joseph. And they come to Joseph one day and... And they're troubled and and they're upset because they've had this dream and they don't know how to interpret it and all this. And and we'll get back to that part in just a few moments. But but here it is. Joseph interprets their dreams. And especially with the cupbearer, realizes that he's actually going to get back to his position again. So he's going to have access to Pharaoh. He's going to be able to put a good word in for Joseph. And the Bible says here in Genesis chapter 40 that Joseph thinks... This is finally the way God's going to open this up. This is the way God's going to answer my prayers. My high hopes, my expectations for God's answer has finally arrived in the person of this cupbearer. Please, Mr. Cupbearer, when you get back up there in your position, would you remember me and mention me? And the cupbearer looked, yeah, sure, I got your back. I got you. I get back up there. You're as good as out of here, right? Notice what the very last verse of chapter 40 says. But the chief cupbearer, verse 23, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. And then there's this blank space in your Bible until you get to the beginning of chapter 41. And that blank space we understand from chapter 41, verse 1, is two years of Joseph's life. Two years in the prime of his life, because this young man's probably in his 20s at this point. Two more years go by before Pharaoh has a dream. Think about it. Think about the story of Joseph and the story of Joseph's life and the disappointments that this young man faced throughout his life. I'm given this great dream and revelation by God, but all all I've seen so far is facing one disappointment after another. I'm sold into slavery in Egypt. All I do is the right thing once I get there, and then I'm lied about, and I'm put into a prison for no good reason, and then I get into prison thinking, this is the way God's going to open up the door to get me out of this prison. I get to see this cupbearer, and I put my trust and faith in him, and he forgets about me, and it's now even two more years. What are some things that we can learn about that? Well, one of the things is that God will use. God doesn't cause, but God uses the disappointments of our life to bring us to a place in our life where our faith and hope are centered in Him alone. Where He strips away out of our life as His followers all earthly hope and all human hope And he wants us to just place our hope and faith only in him. And here's why. Because he understands that if we live our lives trying to put our hope and faith in other people or other things or circumstances and situations, we will live our life chronically at the disappointment level. We will chronically and continually be disappointed, discouraged, disillusioned, depressed and defeated. And that's why many Christians today, those who claim to be followers of Jesus Christ, are in one of those wedge categories. The enemy has gotten a chance to begin to drive that wedge into our life because our faith and hope is not really in God alone. We're still trusting and placing our confidence and our hopes and our dreams and all of this in other people or other things or other circumstances and other situations. And when we do that, we will always be disappointed. We will always get discouraged. We will always struggle with disillusionment. We will always be wrestling with depression and defeat in our lives. God is saying to his people, put... All of your faith and hope in me alone. Because that is the only answer in dealing with the disappointments of life. Now we know that Joseph was a tremendous character, an example to us. And I do believe that Joseph was a young man that even though he dealt with all of these disappointments in life, he dealt with them with a tenacious faith and hope in God because there are certain signs in Joseph's life that he had that tenacious faith and hope in God. The first one is found in, beginning in verse 5 of chapter 40, where we are introduced to the cupbearer and the chief chef or baker of the king of Egypt who were thrown into prison. And we learn this. If our hope and faith is in God alone, We will not be focused on self-pity, but on serving God by serving others. If we have this tenacious faith and hope in God, no matter what situations we are in, we will not wallow in self-pity, but rather always be looking for ways to serve God by serving others. You'll notice it says there that after they had this dream Each man's dream had its own meaning. verse 6, when Joseph came to them in the morning, he saw that they were looking depressed. So he asked Pharaoh's officials who were with him in custody in his master's house, why do you look so sad today? You say, what? I don't get it. It's like, well, he noticed. He noticed the demeanor and the emotion, if you will, on these two men. He wasn't sitting over there in the corner feeling sorry for himself, just thinking about himself and all the disappointments in his life. He was still looking for ways to minister and to encourage others around him. He was looking up, not looking in. He was, as Paul said in Philippians 2, 3, he was looking out for others more than himself. And that's a sign that we have a tenacious faith and hope in God when we can be going through difficult challenges and circumstances and trials in our life and yet we still have that heart of serving others rather than looking inward, feeling sorry for ourselves. In fact, many times the way we turn feeling sorry for ourselves and wallowing in self-pity around is when we begin to look out and realize there are so many hurting people out there, there's some things that I could do for them rather than always thinking about myself. And that was Joseph. Why are you looking so sad today? He, He noticed that. Have you ever been there in your life where you were having a really bad day and you walked through your entire day, whether it was at work or at school or even at home or anything, and nobody really noticed how you were hurting? You were hurting. If just one person in your life would have stopped long enough to say, Hey, can I pray with you? Can we talk? Can we go? I mean, at least they cared enough about you. And how about you with somebody else? Are you so, am I so locked in on my day and what I've got to accomplish and all that that I don't even notice the other people around me? When we do, that's a sign that we are living by faith and hope in God alone. Secondly, you'll notice that if our faith and hope are in God alone, we will have a positive, not a cynical attitude. We will have a positive, not a cynical attitude. Now, I'm not talking about the positive of uh, powerful, positive thinking like Norman Vincent Peale and so many others after him have spouted that's not biblical. That's not dealing with reality. That's that's not facing the problems of life. That that is not a biblical concept. What I am talking about here is the concept that I understand that God is always at work, even if I can't see because I'm You know, walking by faith, not by sight. And no matter what my circumstances, no matter what disappointments I am facing, there's this inner sense of well-being in my life. That's what it means to be positive. It also means positive to be that I focus on the things that I can do in each every situation rather than on the things that I can't do. And that's what Joseph was doing. I wish I could get out of prison, but because I can't, I'll make the best of this situation. What can I do? And so his response after he hears that these two men have had dreams and they have no one to interpret them, notice Joseph's response in verse 8, don't interpretations belong to God, tell them to me. Now think about how cynical, though, Joseph could have been by this point. He could have said to those two, yeah, I had a dream once, look where it's gotten me. And haven't you and I gotten to that point in our life sometimes where you just throw your hands up like, well, what good did that do me? That's a cynical attitude. But notice Joseph didn't have that kind of an attitude. He was like, hey, tell me your dreams. Let's, let's talk about them. Let's, let's see about them. Or he could have even said, well, nobody ever helped me realize my dreams or achieve my dreams. Why should I help you achieve yours? Again, cynical attitude. That is not a sign that we are living with a tenacious faith and hope in God alone. We always keep a positive outlook knowing that even when my circumstances may look a certain way, again, God is always at work, always moving, always working. I just need to be the best me I can be in this situation that I'm presented with and trust God for the outcome of it all somewhere down the road. And then third... The third sign that we have here of Joseph's life, that he lived with a tenacious faith and hope in God alone, is that he took the problems when he was faced with them to God quickly. Notice he says, don't interpretations belong to God? Tell them to me, because guess where I'm taking them? I'm taking them right to my father in heaven, Abba Father, my dad. He'll have an answer. Again, he could have said through all the disappointments of life, well, I... I've taken all these things to God and look where it's gotten me. You know, like many, we've prayed about this God for years and nothing's ever happened. So I'm just going to stop praying about it. No. He was like, here's a problem. Who has the answer? You do, Daddy. I'm coming to you. It's that childlike faith that God wants to build into our lives. Because even if God doesn't change our circumstances, in our time with him and in our action with him and our communion with him and fellowship with him and prayer with him, he can change us and our attitude. And so I love Joseph's response. Don't interpretations belong to God? Let's talk to God about it. He quickly takes these problems to God. Again, after being sold into slavery, after being lied about and put unjustly into prison, After being forgotten about, Joseph still has that attitude of, God has the answer, let's go to God with this. That's really three signs that Joseph lived with a tenacious faith and hope in God alone. Well, I want to share with you for just a few moments, five principles, five building blocks in our life that we can that we can grow a tenacious faith and hope from. Okay? Things that God has used in my life that I even see through the life of Joseph that I want to share with you today about growing or building a tenacious faith and hope in God. Because, as Peter said, through Jesus, we now have learned to trust you, Father. You who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that our faith and our hope would be in God alone. 1 Peter 1.21 First, first building block. God never forgets about us even when the circumstances seem as if he has. Now, people can forget about us, but God has never forgotten you. Now, if you're honest, because I've thought at times in my life, God has forgotten me. Like I'm totally off his radar screen. Because if I was really on his radar screen, if he really hadn't forgot about me, then things would be different. But we have to lock in on that truth and remind ourselves of that and meditate on that. God never forgets about us. Now, one time in Israel's history, and actually it was many times, but one time it's recorded in the Bible, Israel thought that. They were complaining to the prophet Isaiah. They said, God has abandoned us and forgotten us. And God then sent a message back to his people through the prophet Isaiah. And he says this in chapter 49, verses 14 through 16. He says, can a mother forget her babies? Can a woman withhold compassion from those children that she has born? Even if earthly mothers were to forget their own children, God says through the prophet Isaiah, I will never forget you. I have engraved you or inscribed you on the palms of my hands. You are ever before me, God says. So God says, I will never forget you. So in those moments of our life where we feel like God has forgotten us, we must come back to the truth and tell ourselves the truth and remind ourselves of the truth and meditate on the truth that even in those moments where we think God's forgotten us, He never forgets us. Never. The second thing is that nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Romans 8, 35 through 39. Nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Paul said, can trouble or distress or famine or nakedness or peril or danger or the sword? Paul said, no, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Can death or life or things present or things to come or angels or heavenly principalities or any of these things, can anything ever separate us from the love of God? No. No. Now again, we may think at times, well, if God loved me, then I wouldn't be going through this. But just like in Joseph's life, we must remind ourselves because we have a very sometimes warped, definition of love God's love is not a pampering love God's love is a perfecting love God's love motivates him to make us more like Jesus Christ to conform us to the image of Jesus to do what's in our best interest spiritually speaking not always physically speaking That's why God kept Joseph in that prison for two more years. Because Joseph still needed to learn some leadership lessons so that when God finally did exalt him to the second most powerful man on planet Earth at that time in history, Joseph would be ready for that challenge. God's delays in our church about the starting of the building process isn't to somehow lessen our ministry it's actually to get us in a better place spiritually and and to get to a place where when that opportunity does open up we'll be even more prepared for what god has for us not less prepared and that's all born out of god's love Now, God's love didn't cause Joseph's brothers to sell him into slavery. And God's love didn't cause Potiphar's wife to lie about him. And God's love didn't cause the cupbearer to forget about him. But in all of that, God never stopped loving Joseph and always had Joseph's best interest at heart. Always had Joseph's spiritual walk with him as his number one priority. And therefore, everything that God allowed and everything that God was working through was always to make Joseph the very best that he could. And to give him his best. Again, that's why the whole health and wealth gospel that it's a false gospel is so damaging and destructive today in even many Christians lives because they think if I just follow God, then I'll never have problems and I'll always be healthy and I'll never have challenges. And I think, where do you get that biblically? Did not Jesus himself say in John sixteen thirty three, in this world you will have what? Trouble and suffering, but be of good courage. I've overcome the world. And if he overcame the world and we are in Christ, then we can overcome anything that's thrown at us too. See, God wants to build into us the idea that we can thrive under less than optimum circumstances. Somehow I think we've bought into this whole thing of even as Christians, I need the perfect circumstances to be able to thrive spiritually. And God's going, where do you get that idea? And why do you think in this broken world with all of you sinners down there, that it's ever going to be optimum? It's never going to be optimum. The only optimum that we're looking forward to is heaven. There's no optimum here. We live in a broken, broken down world with broken people. It's never optimum, but God says, even in that world, you can thrive and rise above everything through me and through the love that will never let you go. Third, building block. God's promises are true in his timing, not in ours. Oh boy, that's a big one. God's promises are true, but only in his timing, not in ours. Not only thinking of Joseph, but think about Daniel's friends. I'm sure they thought in their timing, God, you're going to prevent us from going into the furnace. No, no, that's not how God works. (laughs) My timing is going to be delivering you in the furnace or through the furnace. I'm sure Daniel thought, oh, God, your timing is going to be you're going to deliver me before I even get to the lion's den. No, no, that's not how God works. He wanted Daniel to be thrown into the lion's den first and then God would deliver him out of or through the lion's den. See, again, that's where we always want God to provide the escape before we go through something. And again, God says, don't you understand with me, you can go through anything and you actually come out the other side stronger and better and and, and all of that for it. Because again, it's for your best interest that I, in my love, allow you to go through these things. Fourth, we are never responsible for others' behaviors or attitudes, but we are always responsible for our behavior and attitudes. So why do we spend so much time wrangling and wrestling over everybody else's bad attitudes and behavior when it's a full-time job focusing on making sure... Our attitude and behavior is where it should be. And remember, it is our attitude and not our aptitude that determines our attitude. And how do we develop or keep a good attitude about everything? Simple answer, yield to the power of the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Learn to live and depend upon the Spirit of God. Paul said in Romans 15, 13, Now you are the God of hope. And may you fill these people in Rome with your joy and peace as they believe in you so that they may abound in hope through what? The power of the Holy Spirit. Romans fifteen thirteen. That's why the Bible talks about the fruit of the Spirit being what? A bunch of attitude words, right? The fruit of the Spirit. Knowing that God's Spirit is in control of me and filling me and I'm yielded to the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, patience. Goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. A bunch of attitude words. How do I keep my attitude right and aligned with God? Through His Spirit. Power of His Spirit. God doesn't expect you and I to have a great attitude about things on our own, but we can, through the power of the Holy Spirit, keep our attitude where it needs to be. And remembering that one of the building blocks of a tenacious faith and hope is realizing I'm never responsible for other people's behavior and attitudes, but I am always responsible for my behavior and attitudes. Again, Facing disappointments in life is not a sin any more than temptation is not a sin. It's what we do with that temptation. We're all going to face disappointments. In fact, maybe even this week, you will be faced with a disappointment, maybe several this week. That's not the issue. The issue is how will you and I respond and react to those disappointments? And then finally, the final building block is realizing that God's grace is always enough, always sufficient in each and every situation in life if we will receive it. God's grace is always sufficient and enough if we will receive it. 2 Corinthians 12, 9. Paul said, God, get rid of this thorn in the flesh. I don't like it. God responds to Paul. Paul, it's for your best interest that you keep that thorn in your flesh for the rest of your life. But I will give you my grace and my grace each day in your life. That'll be enough for you. You'll be able to navigate that thorn in the flesh through the grace that I give you through my supernatural empowerment and enablement. I'll give that to you. And God promises his grace to each of us if we will receive it. Now, as I said a couple of weeks, we can reject it. We can push it away, but if we will receive it, whatever situation, whatever season of life we are in, we may feel like, Joseph, we are trapped in this prison that we're in and we can't get out and we so want to get out, we want to get on to that next thing. God's grace will be enough and God's spirit will be enough to keep your attitude where it needs to be to rise above the circumstances of life and not live at the disappointment level. Remembering that God's timing of his promises are always true, but they're true in his timing, not in ours. These are the building blocks of a tenacious faith and hope in God. Let's pray. God, I can't imagine what this young man Joseph went through in his life. But I know this through everything that he went through. He had built and maintained a tenacious faith and hope in you alone. To where even as he came out on the backside, he said to his own brothers, you meant evil against me, but God meant it all for good. What an attitude. What a perspective. But that's only because Joseph had gotten to a place in his life where he did not ultimately put his trust, his hope, his dreams, his desires in the circumstances and seasons of his life, in the hands of other human beings who will always fail us and disappoint us. He learned to put his trust and faith and hope in you alone, God. And I'm praying today for all of us who are dealing with disappointments in our life facing those things, that we will not allow the spiritual enemy of our lives to drive that wedge deeper into our life, to where it goes from disappointment, which seems so harmless, to discouragement and disillusionment, to depression, despair, and defeat. But God, that today you will have spoken to our hearts and into our minds And even as Nicole prayed before the message that you will breathe into us your breath, God, the breath of your word, and that, God, you will move in this place and move in our lives in such a way that we will declare to you right now as we come to worship you that, God, our hope is in you alone. You're it. If I place my hope and faith in anything else or anyone else, I will chronically and continually live in a state of disappointment and discouragement. But God, if I learn to put my hope in you, if I learn to trust you and place my confidence only in you, then God, I'll be able to navigate the really difficult seasons of life. I'll be able to deal with the problems of life and face the disappointments of life in a positive way rather than a negative and destructive way. God, use this message in all of our lives and in the life of our church as we face this disappointing news of being turned down. Help us to trust you, God, that you've got something greater and better than we could have ever imagined. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand before we sing this song, because it is a real declaration of our hope and faith in God. I'm just going to ask some of you here this morning. Would any of you be willing to sort of declare here this morning, before you declare, God, I'm going to put my faith and hope in you alone, that you're facing a disappointment in life right now and you needed to be reminded of these things today or you're struggling a little bit. Maybe that wedge of disappointment has started. Would you raise your hand? Just raise it up. Thank you. Thank you. You can put it back down once you raise it. Anyone else? Just let God breathe upon you today. And as God is breathing upon you and ministering and working in your life today, then ask Him to help me declare it out to you, God, that I am trusting in You. My hope and my faith is in You alone. And that this worship song will be a song from my mind and my heart and my very most innermost being that, God, I am declaring to you I am putting a stake in the ground today and I am saying, God, help me from this day forward to put my hope in you alone. Let's sing this out as a song of worship and declaration to our God this morning.